0: It's, it's interesting in this kind of a meeting, we kind of jump around to different places. We've just had a taste of China here now we want to come back to the to the mundane all right how about that Should I say that uh, uh <laughs> oh oh and mary adams it's, it's really not mundane, but it's it's like coming back to something you think, well, this is all Christian well it's not all christian and uh Why don't you two come up here and share with us? They, just in kind of an introduction, this is uh, Owen and Mary Adams. Uh, They were going to go, I'm not going to steal any of your thunder here, but they were going to go to Thailand to missionaries. Thailand, yes. (laughs) Really do missionary work, right? And then the Lord stopped them, and he sent them to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And... And really put a burden on their heart. And he and they came in and shared with the elders here of the church. And we always, we felt like they were right. <laughs> they really had something from God. They heard from God to do something. in And they're, they're, they're going to take a little time to share it. in you know. 15 minutes. Okay. You guys, I'll give you. We need
1: with to... our interruptive way of sharing, we can't just use one microphone.
0: <laughs> they interrupt one another. <laughs> if they start fighting, we'll come. Break
1: it up. Uh, we don't fight. Praise God for that. <laughs> we begin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, this uh, missions conference time and tonight. We pray that uh, Mary and I will say the things you want us to say tonight and that people will receive what they need. We believe that everyone here needs something from you probably and that uh, they can receive it if if they listen and we we listen too. So we're just asking you to show us what to say. Pray that people will be blessed. And that they'll know what to do thereafter. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to put the blame where the blame is due. Last year we were sharing that we were going to go to Thailand (laughs) and Tammy Woods said, well, if God don't lead you there, don't be disappointed.
2: And I was like, if it's not Thailand, it's not anything. What do you mean don't be disappointed? (laughs) but we knew we knew we knew it might be right but we ignored it
1: (laughs) so the fact is last year when we were here uh, we knew we had to leave india and we did that between then and now got all of our stuff that we could out and we sold a bunch of stuff and gave a bunch of stuff away so we're finished in india our our time there is done basically but we really thought that god was going to send us to thailand so we were praying on that and working on it and believe in God for it, and just nothing would come together.
2: And for those of you who don't know, we were missionaries in India since um, 2005. And so when we had to leave, we came back to America, and we were really grieved and felt quite lost. Like, what on earth, Lord, what are we supposed to do now? And we really prayed, sought God. We thought we were going to move to Thailand and be missionaries. We left here Went, flew to Thailand shortly after the conference, spent a few weeks there, witnessed to people, reached people for the Lord, went to India, took care of everything. We were gone like just over three months, came back to America (laughs) and tried to go to Thailand and nothing would work. (laughs) We're like, we know how to move to a foreign country. What is going wrong? And nothing would come together that we got back here in mid-October. And we were working on it until the end of December when we found out why God wasn't letting us go.
1: So God has given us a different kind of ministry now that we never, ever expected to have happen. I have to be a little bit vague about what I'm going to say here, but then we'll, you'll know why in a minute. In uh, Right after Christmas this year, last year, uh, we, we knew this might happen, but we weren't sure. One night, we hear this knock on our door, just like this. And we opened the door, and there was a person standing there, someone we knew from the past but hadn't had much contact with for a long time. And we said, well, come on in. And we greeted each other and, you know, spent time together. And during the course of the evening, this person said, I'm a meth addict. And I want you to help me get into treatment. Will you do that? And you know, we're missionaries. We've done all kinds of weird stuff. Stuff that you can't do except with God. We had no idea how to do that, but we said, sure, Sure. why not? We'll do this. We can, we can help you. Well, he didn't know that we were clueless, but he, he stayed with us that night. And the next morning someone called us. And they they knew this person was coming. And they said, did he make it there? And we said, yeah. And he told us he's a meth addict and wants to get in the treatment. We don't know what to do. And she just very calmly said, is he a vet? Yeah. She said, all right, do one of two things, call the VA and call NA, Narcotics Anonymous. We said, oh, no problem. So we called the VA in Muskogee and <laughs> go ahead.
2: Can I tell we emailed we emailed We asked the person if we could confide in some people so that we could figure out how to get them help We emailed a few people and they said be careful If an addict is using they're gonna steal From you cheat you and deceive you and lie to you and we thought oh, okay So we went through that in india. So here we go (laughs) So we're like, okay so this friend of ours called us and and she said, I was going to call you last night, but God wouldn't let me. God told me to call you this morning. And we said, well, he's here. And we told her the story, and she told us who to call. And I called um, the VA in Muskogee and started crying and told them the whole story. And they said, yeah, bring him on up. We'll help him, which was really funny because they don't have a treatment program, and she shouldn't have said bring him. But I guess God was so involved. So, um, So we went and got this person. And woke them up And uh said Well let's go save your life because And he meth- said Okay Because meth could kill you And then I said I don't know a single thing about meth But I know this if you want to beat it You'll need Jesus And so we witnessed to them And um they said okay I'll get ready and we'll go But they weren't ready to pray to receive Jesus So we had to Leave that with the Lord. We went downstairs. We have a one story, we have a two story, one bedroom apartment. We went downstairs. We're interceding while he's showering. And um,
1: so he came down. He got dressed, came down, and said, Okay, let's go. So we got in the car, and he's just very calm. Yeah. Like, this is kind of a weird experience, actually. You know, he's, he's going to uh, put himself away for about 30 days, essentially. And he's okay with that. And we wondered why.
2: And I kept saying to the Lord, did he get saved, Lord? Because he's really calm. So um, we took him to Muskogee. They did the intake. We sat very calmly while they went over drug history and asked questions like, are you homicidal? Are you suicidal? And we just sat calmly like these were normal questions.
1: And and the lady who did this intake was so smooth, man. (laughs) It's like your mom talking to you about, (laughs) um, do you want to have blue shirts or Red shirts, you know, it was like that almost. Is
2: there anyone you want to kill? <laughs> Is there anyone you have ever killed? Do you sell drugs? You know, just very calmly went over all these questions. We must have had an anointing on us because we just acted like this was normal. We didn't break down until after the person checked in. So uh, they checked him in. Oh, sorry. It's a tear or a hanky. Go ahead.
1: So they checked him in, and we went. It was kind of late by then, so we went to IHOP and ate. And that was like one of the most unfulfilling meals of my life, I think. <laughs> but it, not because of IHOP, just the situation, you know. So we ate, and we went home, and went to bed, and thought, "Praise God, man, that worked pretty nice." <laughs> yeah. So the middle of the next afternoon, he calls and says, "This place is not for me."
2: <laughs> We're like. Oh. And I
1: thought, "Oh, Jesus, please." <laughs> we did everything we know, Lord. What do we do? And then he said. But they told me about a place in Tulsa that I can get into a 28-day pre- treatment program. I'd like to go there. Will you come and get me? So we said, yes, we'll do that.
2: Now, in my head, I'm hearing, don't be disappointed if it's not Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like...
1: That was probably prophetic, Tammy. We don't really blame
2: But you. we were like, <laughs> no, we love you for it. It helped a lot. So anyway, so he comes back to our place, and we can't tell you who this is because we have to guard the anonymity of these people that we're working with. And um, we have this person with us for about three days, and the cycle was give them every beverage available and feed them endlessly. Then they pour their guts out, listen calmly, and then they sleep, and then repeat the cycle. Until we took them to treatment, we walked in the treatment center, and there are women shivering with blankets, crying, people already going through withdrawals. And after India, when we get in a dangerous place or a scary place, Owen always says, are you okay? So we're standing in the treatment center, and Owen says, are you okay? And I say this sentence. I said, oh, yeah, me? I'm at home broken-hearted people have always been my people. I'm at home. And I thought, oh, no. What does that mean, Lord? And...
1: So we decided, we're kind of in this thing. We might as well learn something about it. Right. So we started going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. They have open meetings. They have closed meetings. If you're uh, an addict, only addicts can go to closed meetings. Non-addicts, people who are want to be helpful or whatever learn about stuff can go to the open meetings so we started going to the open meetings you know we'd go to this meeting it's it's on thursday night the one we generally go to and we got in there and i, I you know what happens when something just goes off in your heart It's like oh man mm-hmm. oh lord please no and I, I'm serious, so because
2: they're they're telling stories, man. You know, of why they got on drugs, the horrendous thing that happened in their life that made them use the first time, what they've done since they've been on drugs, and they hope oh, they don't have to use again. And we're like sitting there crying, Owen and I.
1: So we think, okay, there's two possibilities here. One is that's just our own love and compassion. We hope it's that one. Or the other one is God's calling us to minister to these people somehow. And so we we spent three weeks really quiet. We hardly talked to anybody, really. The same thing we did when we went to India and thought God might be leading us there. Because we wanted to be absolutely certain if we're getting into this world, we want to know it's God putting us there because uh, there, there's just nothing good about it, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's dangerous. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. You can't tell if somebody's telling you the truth or lying to you. And you can't tell that for years sometimes. You just don't know. And they so can't
2: you, tell with each other.
1: And so you just keep going forward. So we prayed about that for about three weeks. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> what, can I? Okay, so meanwhile, we keep going to these meetings, and they only give their first name. You know, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm an addict. And we come home, and we're like, oh, my goodness, that guy was struggling. That guy was struggling. That girl was struggling. We suddenly have this huge prayer list, right? <laughs> we're, like, laying hands on these lists. Well, one day, we're, like, laying down on the apartment floor crying and interceding for addicts. Just crying and crying and crying. And praying, and we're like, "Oh no!"
1: So we thought God's probably leading us into the ministry to people in the drug world, mm-hmm. but we weren't sure yet. And then one Friday morning, about nine o'clock, got a phone call. A guy that we had met at an NA meeting, who was an addict, and I got to tell you, this guy—he's about not quite six feet tall, and he's got to weigh three hundred pounds. He's just huge, you know. He called us on our on our cell phone. He said, "I'm at the downtown bus stop, in Tulsa." <laughs> Last night I got jumped and beat up and robbed. Will you come get me? It's like, well, I don't know, man. So I said, can you wait just a few minutes? I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to talk with Mary, and we're going to pray and see what God wants us to do, okay? He goes, okay. okay. So I get off the phone, and I said, all right, babe, are we in or are we out? This is we got to decide now.
2: And I'm like, you know we're in. <laughs> and we have met this guy twice now yeah. I got to tell you the disturbing part a lot of the addicts we meet are born-again Christians they got born again at 12 or 17 or 20. I thought we were walking into an unsaved world a bunch of them are saved they know the Lord this guy was saved and um he had he had come to us after meetings and um, would ask for a prayer for us twice. He needed a job, and God got him a job. And then he, the person he was riding to work with, was smoking pot, and he's like, "I better have a different ride." We're like, "Yeah," and so, so our, you know, the third meeting is he calls us and he's all beat up, and he's on the phone. and He goes, "Mary, Sister Mary, they tore my good shirt, my only good shirt," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, just your guts." So we drive downtown and go get him, and I thought we are like crazy. This is like,
1: we're crazy. but we had a strategy. We knew we were going to keep this safe, man. We were going to drive by and see what's going on. You know, we don't want to get set up for something stupid. Right. So we get ready to drive by, and he's just standing he's on the, stand the corner. He's standing on the corner. He's just like this. So, okay, open the door. Mary got out and got back, let him get in front, so we got, like, some control. You know, like, he's 300. We're not 300 together. I don't know what we're going to do, but.
2: And we know he's been to prison and we don't know what he's been to prison for. I mean, we know this is dangerous. We know that we're crazy and we're like, well, we're missionaries. And everybody at the NA meetings calls us the missionaries. You know, they all call us the missionaries. So he knows we're missionaries. And uh, so there he is like that. So I just jumped out and he got in the car and all I could think of was <laughs> read him the Bible.
1: That's the only thing I
2: could think of. So he's he's up there and he's crying and I and I'm just reading him the Bible and I get to Psalm twenty three and he starts repeating it with me. And it's like you're like joyful that you're helping somebody, grieve that their life is devastated and ripped apart. I
1: can't believe that they're a Christian.
2: Right. It's like this is a confusing world, Lord.
1: So we said, well, where do you want to go? And he said, well, the place I've been staying, it's a sober living home, but I think they're going to kick me out because I didn't go there last night and I didn't call them or nothing. And the rule is, if you don't go home, don't call, they kick you out. So he we said, well, you know, we're thinking, you know, this is like our first day, man. <laughs> we don't know for sure what to do. So I said, well, let's just drive over there and see what happens. So we and drive I'm like over there. And I'm like, don't worry, if they
2: kick you out, Jesus has somewhere better for you to stay. And I thought, oh, dear God, I hope he doesn't ask me where. <laughs>
1: So we drove him over to the sober living home, and sure enough, they kicked him out. It's well, like, he, first, he, he doesn't have much to start with, but whatever it is, is going to end up in our car, you know.
2: First, they call him in, and they're like, who are these guys? And he goes, oh, they're the missionaries. They go, oh, you want to come in? We're like, okay. So we flopped down on this couch, and the one guy's like, yeah, I'm a heroin addict and an atheist. We're like, okay, well, we're missionaries. That's who we are. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, come on in. You're his friend. We're like, yeah, well, you know, new friend. We're his new
1: friend. Yeah, this is the third time we met him.
2: (laughs) And so they take a vote. They're trying to decide, did he use, did he not? He hasn't paid any bills anyway. And Well, he has to go. He didn't come home. And they go, well, we're giving him to you. And we're like, no, no, time
1: out. We got savvy in India. (laughs) You don't just give somebody to us and then say, go. Mary says, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to find out where to take him. You know, we don't know any of this stuff. So they started brainstorming with each other. Well, there's this place, and there's this place, and there's this place. And they finally said, TCBH, Tulsa Center for Behavioral Health. That's the place they'll either take him or find a place for him. So we found out where it was and we drove over there. And
2: they tell him, now don't lie. Tell them the truth about all your depression. And he's like, okay. I'm
1: like, oh my God. So we pull in there and he says, well, maybe I'm supposed to go to my job. He's been bleeding, you know? I mean, the guy not got knots all over his head and so forth. We said, well, well hold on just a minute. What's your job? He says, I'm working over at the fairground serving food. And he's got blood all over his clothes. We're like, probably not. We're thinking that's probably not going to work. Well, just at that moment, the people he's working for called and said, are you coming to work today? And he says, well, I don't know for sure if I can. Jumped, robbed, and beat up. I've been bleeding. My shirt's all tore up. I've got blood all over me. What do you think? They said, no, I don't think so. So... We said, let's just go in here, TCBH. You don't have to stay. We're not going to make you stay. We can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. And see what they say. So we took him inside and told the guy at the desk what's going on. He's a Christian. Praise God for that, you know.
2: Yeah. And then he's filling out the paperwork, and his only emergency contact on the earth is
1: us. us. (laughs) Not another human being on planet Earth. He could write the phone number down. As a emergency contact, and we thought, man, this is really, really weird.
2: And then they're like, okay, so you know, um, he'll need you. You need to first they couldn't find a reason to keep him, and then they found out he didn't know where he was, so they kept him. And they're like, okay, so he's going to need you to come visit him. You're his friends, like, right? And we're like, well, once again, new friend. And they're like, okay, so he needs you to come. And the guy found out we were missionaries. He goes, oh, good. Are you ordained? Whoops. And I go, yeah, we're ordained. He goes, good only attorneys and ordained ministers can walk in a treatment center 24 hours a day you can come anytime please come and minister to him do pastoral visits we're like no no not pastors he's like it's okay do pastoral visits (laughs) we're like i mean people are volunteering us for ministry so we came and read the bible to him and ministered to him and um long story short when he got out, he went to a Christian Sober Living Home.
1: He was there 11 days and, at, the first, at the first place, DCBH.
2: Right. And then he went to a Christian Sober Living Home, where we now teach a Bible study. Uh, we, After we took him there, we started praying, and they asked us to preach in the church, connected to the Christian Sober Living Home. And then we preached, and then we preached again. Then we substitute taught a class about what the Bible says about anger. And then we were praying and God gave us this idea for a class on how Jesus can help you in your recovery. We teach a two-hour class. We teach for the first hour and for the second hour. They talk about what these verses mean to them, what the topic means to them. And Owen makes these cool little Bible verse. Cards for every single day for every guy because they say their brain is attacking them so bad they can't even read their Bible. Well after that, God just kept opening up doors everywhere we went. I mean, I was standing in the QT next to a girl and I knew the signs now. I'm like, she's like this. I'm like, I think there's a little meth. I mean, I could tell she's a meth addict. You know, what I'm, I could tell in the process we learned Tulsa, Oklahoma, the addicts tell us is the needle capital of America. The most injectable drugs in our country are available in Tulsa, and the meth capital of America, Oklahoma. And while our friends, in, the first friend is in treatment, two drug addicts died. One got out, OD'd on heroin. Another
1: the one. The very next day, he got out of treatment. He'd been there twenty-eight days, and and he got some heroin, and what he didn't know was he can't take the same dose he took when he went in because it's too much now. So he did it and died.
2: And another girl was in treatment and just felt she couldn't take it and hung herself and died. And um, we started to find out, man, this is real. And then we started to find out they're Christian. A lot of them, one after another, is Christian. So the next thing we knew, our neighbor was a recovering addict. And he said, oh, you guys are Bible teachers. I went through treatment. I'll tell them you should teach the Bible study. We lost our guy. I mean, we, we, people are just volunteering us for ministry. Next thing we know, we have another Bible study at a secular treatment center. The guy's like, yeah, they need the Bible.
1: <laughs> and, and the, and the director said, there are a lot of guys here who are Christian and we don't, we don't teach them the Bible. We're, we're not, you know, that's not our job, but we would love to have you come and do it. So we started doing that. Made a lot of connections with these guys, heart connections, you know. And the, there's like 60 guys there. The first, the first night we did it, 13 guys came. The next time, 15. We were there. Uh, what's today, Thursday, Monday Monday night, and there were nine guys, so it kind of fluctuates, although three of them had to go to an outside meeting. So So, so,
2: So then I get this idea to pass around a prayer list at these meetings. You know, I'm not ready for what we're getting back. I'm not ready. Pray for my mom. She's going to prison. Pray for my wife. She's an addict, too. I pray for my child. They're an addict. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Owen and I are like praying over each name for a long time. I'm like, Owen, we're almost like their pastors. They don't have anybody else. We're like praying over every name for a long, long time. You know, we tell them, if you're thinking of using, just call us or text us 24-7.
1: Yeah, we did this really, you know, strange thing. We said, we give them our phone number and say, if you're thinking about using, text us. us or call us anytime, day or night, and we will answer you. We will be there for you. Now, no one's done it in the middle of the night. Well, one has, but the the first guy that got us started in this thing has. But no one else yet.
2: Then we're just living our life. We start getting these text message prayer requests. Pray for so-and-so. You know, she might be going back out. That means go back out and use... They're like, oh, okay, text message, prayer ministry. We didn't even know. And then after that, two of the guys in the Bible study are like, well, I don't have anybody to listen to my life. Will you guys come listen to my life and teach me the Bible? We're teaching the Bible now four times a week to recovering
1: addicts. So on Sunday night, we're at the recovery, uh, Christian recovery, sober living home, I'm sorry, and we teach uh, two hours. On Monday night, we teach at the secular place for an hour, then on Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon, we meet with two different guys, one each day, uh, as as Mary's saying, so we can teach them the Bible and help them. Some of these guys have never, ever, ever had anybody listen to them. Mm-hmm. Just listen. What's going on in your life? Um, and, man, it, it, it's quite a life, you know. And yesterday we were with one of them. We spent... Four hours and 40 minutes there, yeah. just being with him. You know, when we first started this, man, we'd go home and say, wow, I don't know if we can do this. I am exhausted. <laughs> I've just given myself away for half a day here, and this is hard work. And then now we've gotten to where we can actually do it Do it better. We don't get so exhausted, but it's still hard work. And we still, when we minister to people, we listen on the inside to see what God wants to say and what he wants us to do and what he wants us to hear. And he tells us what to ask people, and he shows us what to do about mm-hmm. it. And so it's really um, intense inside. Nobody can see that from the outside, I don't think, but inside it's really intense.
2: So, uh, um, yeah, we have to wrap up. Uh, some of our guys are graduating, and they're like, so where else do you teach so that I can come to your building and you can teach me? And we're like, building? That's a good idea. <laughs> And we had talked about a building when we were up here. We prayed about it. We went and said, I'm telling you, if you want your house sold in Oklahoma, the key is have Mary and Owen like it and somebody else buys it. Well, we were, we thought about the it. The reason
1: she said that is because we've been trying to buy a house. And every time we get interested, that thing might have been on the market 180 days. And within 10 days, it sells. Three
2: offers sometimes. Anyway, so then we picked a strip mall where we're going to rent a little building. And we go sit in front of the strip mall. And the strip mall sells. <laughs> So now we're looking for some kind of a little building, you know, so they can get in the presence of the Lord and um uh, so they can be taught the word and get to know him. Um because there's so many more who are out there. I'm going to tell you there's some people in this room that are affected by addiction. There are so and Not
1: necessarily your own.
2: No. Family, some, somebody in your
1: family, friends, close friends, relatives of some kind. I mean, we've talked to pastors, and they say, "Yeah, I have two sons. One's an addict, and one's an alcoholic." Yeah, like whoa. There's
2: you know so many. We so we're asking the Lord to give us a building so that we can help them. Um, we're talking to Pastor CJ about this, and you know, why did why do they use? Um, we're told a lot of them were molested some horrible traumatic event happened in their life they lost a child they had something terrible happen a lot of them were told that god took that person away they had horrible things happen and somebody said this will help and they might have taken the first drug but after a point the drugs took their life and took everything
1: and I, i want to tell the irony of the whole deal we wanted to go to Bangkok. That's what we felt God wanted us to do. We've been there several times. We spent some time there, almost six months total. And we just felt that was God. And we wanted to do it. You know, we like being overseas, in, in Asia at least. So we were we were looking forward to it. Just as soon as we realized God's not sending us there, we looked on the Internet, and they're having, they're not riots, but they're uh, political, what's the word? <laughs> Uproar. Like, a hundred thousand people would gather in downtown Bangkok and just shut the city down. They were trying to overthrow the prime minister. And we thought, how ironic. The U.S. government told the American people on the U.S. government's website, it's best if you don't go to Bangkok right now, you know? And I thought, boy, God is so smart. It's just amazing how, but you have to follow him out all the time. You think, God, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? And suddenly you realize, because there's a hundred thousand people in the street. That's why
2: so thank you guys for your support of us for your prayers for us i would ask you to pray for our addicts um i've never met such broken-hearted people so many people who hate themselves who feel that they're unloved and unlovable who feel that they don't know can god accept them Um, and many of our guys are their choices treatment or prison the ones we're teaching so we just ask you to pray for them if the lord puts it on your hearts and we're just believing that god will show us next how we can reach a lot more people
1: i just want to tell you what our ministry is we reach people for jesus and we teach them the word of god um we we don't have a treatment center and at this moment at least we don't want one uh we just feel like that's what god wants us to do that's what we did in india we we ministered to people we led them to jesus christ and we taught bible studies and churches and that kind of stuff and that's what we're doing now we're leading them to the Lord when that's, you know, open to us and to them at the time. And then we teach them the Bible. So that's really what we do, which is very complicated because most of them are broke and they all want money. You got five bucks, can you give me ten bucks? Can you give me $200? It's like we learned the answer, no. And so um, we just um, feel like this is the deal from God, and we're very happy about that. We love that kind of thing. We love to witness and share the word, the, the Lord Jesus with people, and we love to teach the Bible. And we expect great things for God, but... You can't have expectations. You put it out there and you believe God will do things and then you wait and see what happens because you just can't expect anything. You just don't know what's going to happen.